Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello, and I am so excited and delighted to have a noted authority uh, on Judaism and veganism with us today, Dr. Richard Swartz. Let's get straight to it. You've written so many books. What is the connection between Judaism and veganism, sir? Okay, very strong connection. Actually, there are six very important Jewish mandates that point to vegetarianism, and even more so veganism as the ideal diet. These are to take care of our health, treat animals with compassion, protect the environment, conserve natural resources, help hungry people, and to seek and pursue peace. And uh, actually at the very beginning, the very first chapter of the Bible, of the Torah, it's uh, chapter 1, verse 29, God's first dietary regimen, strictly vegetarian, talking about the herbs of the field, fruit of the trees, and also in the ideal time, that was the beginning, Garden of Eden, and also for the ideal time to come, the Messianic period that Jews yearn for, that will also be a vegan period, and that's based on the powerful prophecy, the prophet Isaiah, where it says, at that ideal time, the Messianic period, the wolf will dwell with the lamb, lion will eat, throw the ox, no one shall hurt nor destroy in all of God's holy mountain. And I'll be happy to expand on all the reasons that I mentioned as we go forward. So you've written a book that says uh, what happened, who took my religion, essentially. What is your point there? And uh, where do you think um, the culture in general has gone astray in regards to spirituality and how we treat animals, particularly animals who are used for food? Okay, yeah, that book is called Who Stole My Religion? And basically it argues that Judaism is a radical religion in the best sense of the term, powerful teachings about compassion for animals, about uh, justice, about uh, seeking peace, etc. And uh, uh, unfortunately, many, especially in the Orthodox community, have not put this into practice as much as I'd like to see. And... Uh, I started to say before, Jewish teachings on compassion and uh, for veganism are very strong, but very few Jews, relatively small percent, are vegans. Although Israel, where I'm living now, is considered as a vegan capital of the world with a very high percent of vegans. So uh, Jews are supposed to be, for example, Rachmanim B'nai Rachmanim, compassionate children of compassionate ancestors imitating the God whose compassion are over all his works. And that quote is from uh, this book of Psalms, chapter 145, verse 9. So we've got these powerful teachings on the compassion for animals. The great Jewish leaders were chosen, Moses, King David. Of course, they show compassion for animals as children. And it's so important, this idea of compassion for animals is actually part of the Ten Commandments would indicate that not only are people to rest on a Sabbath day, but animals as well. A Jew is not to sit down to his own meal and, uh, until making sure his animal has been fed. So we have these powerful, powerful teachings, and that's my goal, to uh, make Jews aware 
that uh, they don't have to, God forbid, to go to another religion, but uh, that Judaism has these powerful, powerful teachings. The important thing is to apply them, and uh, Jews should be among the most uh, active people in promoting animal rights because of these very strong teachings. Um, how long, I see you're wearing a vegan t-shirt, and uh, remember to look up into the camera, sir. Uh, thank you so much. Um, how long have you been vegan? What is your personal story that has gotten you to where you are today? Because you have a very powerful message. We'd love to hear your story. Okay, thanks. Well, I was a vegetarian since 1978, vegan since about 2000. And what happened, I was teaching mathematics at the College of Staten Island. And uh, one of the courses I was teaching was for liberal arts and science majors. They were poorly prepared, poorly motivated, but they had to take one math course to meet a degree requirement. So I came up with the idea of a new course called Mathematics and the Environment, wrote four editions of the textbook, Mathematics and Global Survival. And uh, we tried to relate mathematics to what's happening in the world. One year, major conference on world hunger. And I thought, uh, well, you know, it's a shame so many people are dying of hunger. I guess there's just not enough food in the world. Then I read this wonderful book, you're probably familiar with, Diet for a Small Planet by yes. Francis Pay, And where she pointed out how wasteful animal-based diets are. That, for example, with now about 9, billion, 9 million people dying of hunger, which affects every year, over 10% of the world's people are chronically malnourished, and yet 70% of the grain produced in the U.S. is fed to fatten up animals, over a third worldwide also fed to animals. What makes that especially shameful is we take very healthy foods like corn and oats and soy, high in fiber and complex carbohydrates, and very low, actually with really no, um, uh, I'm sorry, with no cholesterol and no saturated fat, feed them through animals, we come out with a product just the opposite, very unhealthy, high in cholesterol, high in saturated fat. And of course, that's one of the reasons there's like an epidemic of diseases in the world. Well, Judaism has very strong teachings on uh, taking care of our health. So you became a vegan in 2000, you say, and then when did you start making the connection between veganism and Judaism? I know as a vegan that, um, well, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm certainly no scholar on any of this, that if I'm vegan, I'm also kosher. Is that true? Uh, generally, it's true, maybe not 100%. Uh, you know, there, there are certain uh, minor details in all, but it's certainly far, far easier to be kosher because you uh, don't have to worry about uh, mixing meat and milk, which is prohibited, or accidentally eating an unkosher animal. So certainly the easiest way to be vegan is that, and for example, with vegetables, of course that's vegan, you have to make sure there are no bugs in the vegetables, et cetera, et cetera. So certainly the easiest way, that's one additional reason that you should be vegan, it is far, far easier to be kosher on a vegan diet. Isn't there um, aspects of the religion, aren't there aspects of the religion that are specifically designed, even though it's kind of gone by the wayside and undercover investigations have shown that 
essentially there's no nice ki- way to kill an animal who doesn't want to die. And, and this well, idea of humane slaughter is basically a marketing scheme and it, it doesn't, it, it, in practice, the animals are terrified. They know they're going to die and it's, there's no a painless way. Okay. Uh, but nonetheless, in terms of looking at intention, isn't there a lot in, in Jew, Jewish or Judaism, Jewish law that is designed with the idea of minimizing animal suffering? Well, absolutely. And um, the Shohit or the one of the supporters is supposed to be a pious person saying a special prayer and all. It's not somebody very often in the slaughterhouses. You have people that may uh, just move into the country, etc., and uh, just uh, needing a kind of job. And the turnover is very rapid there. So it is designed that way. The knife has to be especially sharp. As you say, there's no uh, painless way, no humane way. And even if it was, if you can say, well, uh, this is the ideal way. And, and again, the shito or kosher soil was definitely designed to minimize pain. But you can't forget the many months that the animals in the factory farm, the tremendous cruelty before that. So even if the slaughter was uh, with the minimum pain, which you're 100% right, that is the ideal the way that animals are treated on the factory farms is so far from Jewish teachings. And actually the teachings of all religions are all based on compassion. I'm gonna interrupt you and say, let's go to Laura, who is a caller. Laura, your question or thought for Dr. Richard Schwartz, the author of many books uh, connecting veganism and Judaism. Go to Laura, who is a caller. Hi, Laura, your question can you hear me? Or thought for- Radio down if you would, thank you. Yep, there we go. Dr. Schwartz, it's Laura Slitt. I don't know if you remember me. We had lunch together. I do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just, want, I just wanted to say... I don't know if you remember me. We had you lunch together. <laughs> There's a little bit of a delay here, so I'm not sure what's going on. But anyway, I just wanted to say, you taught me something that I will never, ever, ever forget about activism. And that is, and it was at your 80th birthday in New York. Yeah, it was at your 80th birthday in New York City. And I videotaped it. And we, we, you taught me a Talmud saying, ours is not to complete the task, neither is it ours to desist from it. And that has helped me in the most dark times dealing with all the stuff that we know is going on. I just want to really, really thank you that you've been such a positive mentor in my, in my activism, in my, in my, in my life. So, so thank you so much. What, what was the saying again? Ours is not to complete the task. Neither is it ours to desist from it. In other words, we have to do all we can knowing that uh, we can't do as much as we'd like to, we can't finish it, but uh, like when people say, you know, I'm just one person, how can I have an impact? But every person has to do as much as possible. There's a Jewish teaching, by the way, that says that in effect, the world is equally balanced between good and evil, and one good deed will take everything to the side of good. So it's sort of consistent. So many thanks, Laura, for your kind, Fine comments. Thank you, Laura. That's that's a lot of wisdom. I just took that in, and uh, I understand what you mean when you say that that helps you with your activism. 
because obviously Jane Unchained News Network, we are activists. We want to stop animal suffering and in the process, allow people to live healthier, more compassionate lives, happier lives, because ultimately, you know what you're doing um, and also stop climate change and world hunger. But sometimes it seems overwhelming. I would say there's once uh, every day where I say, oh, it's so much. It's so much. How can we how can we do this? And, you know, it almost brings tears to your eyes because um, it's so hard to wake people up. I read a story the other day that um, just yesterday, maybe that somebody saw a nipple in their ham uh, slice at a fast food restaurant. They had sliced the pig where the nipple popped up and they became ill and they decided to go vegan. And I thought, why does it take that? We, we are not children. We know that those slices come from animals, even though they do everything under the sun to separate it. They don't call them pig. They call it pork. They call it ham. They call it deli slices. And by the way, it's officially cancer causing, according to the World Health Organization, something that the news media never discusses. That's the World Health Organization. Look it up. And um, and yet it took that moment where you see the nipple of the animal in the deli slice for this person to become ill and make the connection. Why? Um, Dr. Schwartz, why? This is this is one of the questions that perplexes me. And I love the, the comment that Laura made, because it does give me solace to know that, yes, it, you don't have to solve the whole thing, Jane. You just got to do the next indicated thing. Stay out of the results. You're doing as much as you can. That's what's important. Go ahead, doctor. Yeah, well, part of the answer, you know, people are creatures of habit and uh, tradition, you know, their grandparents served me, the parents, et cetera, et cetera. But two very important things uh, sort of uh, brought out from what you were saying. First of all, as you well know, there are so many and it's increasing all the time, substitute, plant-based substitute for meat and other animal products. So people say, well, I just love the taste. I can get that taste with, without, uh, I can say, slicing up the animal, et cetera, et cetera. So it takes away like the last excuse. One other very important point, and I think this is the main reason why people go today, and this is I'm really making uh, the strongest part of my campaign, mentioned climate change. That, of course, is the greatest threat of humanity today. And we've seen so much evidence recently with that Hurricane Ida, California's burning. Governor of Oregon wrote an op-ed in the New York Times and he said half of the state is, uh, half of the U.S. is burning, the other half is flooded out. But we've seen that in the reports, etc. And one very significant thing is all of these tremendous climate changes weather due to a one degree Celsius increase or two degrees Fahrenheit since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. And they're projecting that could triple from one to three. So you can imagine how bad that would be. Uh, the fate of humanity is really at stake. And something I've learned even more and more recently, I, know, I think, have you interviewed Glenn Berger? Uh, yes. I just interviewed him yesterday. I mean, last week at this this very time. Let me 
Let me say this. Um, how old are you? I'd like to know. I know you've written a lot of books. Right. Okay. Do you remember your age? I'm 87 years young. I was born at a very early age, so that sort of helps a bit. I'm 87, and uh, I'm fortunately, fortunately, I'm able to keep active. And uh, voice is not as strong as it used to be, but uh, I'm more and more involved in uh, plenty of other books and uh, articles and everything. Anyway, I mentioned Glenn Merzer because I've also read the book. I also interviewed him. Because Glenn Mertzer, yes. And I'll, I'll just tell our listeners and viewers, Glenn Mertzer has written a book called Food is Climate. You can get it on Amazon. It's brilliant. And it makes the connection. We're look, we're headed into this Glasgow conference and um, everybody is is beating their chest about climate change, but they are not discussing animal agriculture. And the reason is that the industry, which is very powerful and includes the pharmaceutical industry, because in truth, the pharmaceutical industry would collapse if people got healthy and started eating fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, and legumes. Heart disease is the leading killer. If you put pandemics aside, one out of every four people um, in, in the country, I think uh, a good percentage of the people die of heart disease, uh, strokes, heart attacks. That's from generally. There's always exceptions to the rule, but generally it's from arteries to the heart getting clogged with plaque, which comes from cholesterol, which animals produce. There are zero cholesterol. There's zero cholesterol in any animal product. You can go up and down the grocery aisles, beyond meat burgers, zero cholesterol. So the cholesterol lowering drugs, the erectile dysfunction drugs, the, um, you know, uh, all sorts of drugs, the, the cancer, because processed meat is a, is a carcinogen. Red meat is a likely carcinogen, according to the World Health Organization. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the obesity crisis from fast food, uh, which is essentially fast food. It's the fast food crisis, which is meat and dairy laden. I mean, we've been advocating for McDonald's to get a plant-based burger. They've got one. They're now supposedly test marketing it again in England. We need it in the United States. Burger King has it. So we could take these boxes that are fast food and try to make them healthier. But meat and dairy is killing us. It's destroying the planet. And it's the one thing they won't talk about. Um, and uh, how do we get you're a wise man? I feel honored to talk to you and thank you for speaking up because it is a little bit hard to hear you. But how do we get the powers that be? to acknowledge this fundamental truth that is the, the really, really, really inconvenient truth that they don't want to talk about. President Biden, just the other day I was watching and he said, we can't make climate change better, but we can stop it from getting worse or words to that effect. And I was like, no, we could make it better if we all went plant-based and we reforested a huge percentage of the land that we use for cattle grazing that we're destroying right now in the Amazon and other places for cattle grazing and to grow crops to feed 80 billion land animals that we raise in torturous conditions and kill every year, we could reforest that land, trees absorb carbon, we could reverse climate change, but they won't look at it. That is the essential, essential message. As the book points out, there used to be six trillion trees in the world. Now it's down to about three trillion. And if we made that 
back to four trillion, that can make a difference. So that is why, as Glenn points out, and that's others too, just, I think that message is starting to get out there. There's only one possible way to avert a climate catastrophe, as you point out, that's shifting away from that animal-based diet. But as I mentioned in that book, an amazing fact, over one-third of the ice-free land area in this world is used for grazing animals and grazing feed crops for animals. So if that was led to uh, uh, reforest or planting of trees, that could make a difference. So we've got to get that essential message out. Another factor, by the way, create more of that grazing land and actually purposely starting fires in the Amazon you know, to clear the land and all. And of course, that is it's another very important thing, and that is that, uh, as I said, the world is so threatened today, and there's a concept called uh, self-reinforcing positive feedback loops that could lead to an irreversible tipping point. Yes, self-reinforcing positive feedback loops. There's a great documentary called Breaking Boundaries on Netflix that talks about this. David Attenborough. Okay, no ve radical vegan activist, Sir David Attenborough. Uh, Jane Unchained also has a documentary. Our documentary is Countdown to Year Zero on Amazon Prime that talks all about this. Watch it so you have the information. We're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we're staying live on... sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influence channel the voice america talk radio network is on instagram make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows live events and around the network we want to see what you have to share as well check us out on instagram at voice america talk radio you 
are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, we're talking to Dr. Richard Swartz, who is 87 years young. He is a leader in um, writing and lecturing uh, about the connection between Judaism and veganism and uh, has written many books on this subject. We're so delighted to have them. I've already gotten uh, a concept that I think is really uh, going to help me when you are feeling overwhelmed about what's happening in the world and will, will my actions count uh, let's go back to that a little bit. You said that the world is divided between good and evil 50-50 according to biblical studies. Uh, go go into that a little bit. Okay. You know, that's just uh, a teaching in order to, we don't, of course, know exactly and uh, on that, but they say that's to point out every action makes a difference. By the way, I want to show you something really amazing. If you take a look at this magazine here, Jerusalem Report, August 9th, not that long ago, and the title, just my cover story, says, Should Jews Be Vegans? And right on the cover it says, Richard H. Schwartz argues that eating animal products violates Jewish teachings. So I went into this five pages on that, and I'm sort of very respectfully challenging rabbis to say, can we start a dialogue, a debate on that? And... uh, the rabbis uh, can't really answer that. They can't disagree that Judaism teaches we have to take care of our health, and as you pointed out so eloquently before, animal-based agriculture and diets are so bad for the health. They can't disagree. Judaism has powerful teachings on compassion for animals, and in so many cases like this, on the one hand, powerful Jewish teachings, on the other hand, the realities in the world so far from that, Judaism important teachings on protecting the environment. So we have all that. So this is the case from trying to make more and more getting this out. By the way, one of the things that I'm doing, there's an ancient Jewish holiday. It's actually, you know, Rosh Hashanah, which just has that the Jewish New Year, but there's actually four New Years in the Jewish tradition. And one of them was an ancient New Year for animals. Initially, it was for tithing animals for sacrifices. But we want to restore that, but to transform it into a day devoted to increasing awareness of Jewish teachings on compassion for animals and how far current realities on factory farms and other settings are from these teachings. So that is some of the things we're trying to do. We have, they often point out, truth, morality, justice on our side, and we have to get that message out and just... uh, we're trying to do that in every possible, possible way. So uh, that's kind of a breakthrough article. Uh, that was widely distributed. Should Jews be vegan? And what was the name of the journal? That's pretty impressive. That just came out. The Jerusalem well, report. Is that distributed in Israel or all over the world? In Israel, but many people in the U.S., it, just out every two weeks, so it's like it's a magazine format. Many people in the U.S. get it. Many people read it online. And what I'm trying to do, though, I'm sending it out to as many people as possible. 
to get that message out. Another thing I just want to point out that I'm doing, because as you point out, the uh, climate threats are so great, and uh, uh, it's I sometimes call it madness and sheer insanity. When you realize we can have a diet that can eliminate so much of the heart disease, cancer, other life-threatening diseases, certainly could be far better for animals, also far better for the use of resources because animal-based diets, agriculture is indoors, so wasteful of water, energy, etc. Anyway, my latest book, here it is, Vegan Revolution, Saving Our World, Revitalizing Judaism. And the issues are so urgent. What I'm doing is offering complimentary PDF for the complete text of that book and also the cover picture to anybody who emails me at veggierich at gmail.com. That's V-E-G-G-I-E-R-I-C-H at gmail.com. I want to get the intro after, but can you get it on Amazon? Can we order this book? Yeah, you can get it on Amazon. Okay, wonderful. Many Congratulations on yet another book, Dr. Schwartz. Wow, this is so impressive. You've written quite a few. Let me ask you this question. First of all, this idea of spirituality and veganism being connected, obviously, it applies to all religions. Um, thou shall not kill doesn't say thou shall not kill people. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, the uh, Christian religion, also the same issue is circulating. You know, there was a young woman, a, a teenager, a girl, Genesis Butler. She's a Marvel hero kid. Uh, she went to Rome and asked the Pope to go vegan for Lent. The Pope uh, is named after St. Francis of Assisi, who was the patron saint of animals. And he declined and he decided to give up gossip instead for Lent. Um, now, this is a person who has actually said we should not be cruel to animals, who has actually issued statements about the need for kindness to animals, and yet he eats veal. That is cruelty to animals. There's no disputing it. Right. Eating any animal is cruelty to animals. That's really the bottom line. Right there. That is the where the rubber meets the road, where people do not want to deal with the fact that eating any animal at any time is cruelty to animals. Right. What can we do to wake up the Christian world, the Jewish world, the Buddhist world, the, uh, the atheist world, the agnostic world? I mean, it's the same question. Why? Right. Why is religion, which is supposed to be essentially at the very core about kindness and compassion, all right? Why is it that religions, just like our institutions of government, which are supposed to be about protecting people, the so resistant uh, private corporations are embracing uh, plant-based uh, products more than religion or the government. And, you know, we think of corporations who obviously make meat products. They don't make meat products. They kill animals and distribute their body parts. But they uh, produce animals. They are also investing. The biggest meat producer, one of the biggest, JBS, has its own vegan product line of vegan um, meats that are actually delicious. I ate them. Ozo. Uh, mm -hmm. 
So even they are hedging their bets and getting into this area. But we don't see religion making any progress on this, just like we don't really see the government making any progress. There's a good argument to be made that the meat and dairy industry would collapse were it not for the government subsidies that are propping it up at the very same time that the government is saying code red on climate change. Well, absolutely. First, I have to strongly commend you and say, how do we get messages out? Uh, I don't think there's anybody in the world maybe that's doing more than you with uh, so many years with your broadcast, your documentaries, etc. And I wish you much continued success. And uh, you mentioned, by the way, thou shalt not kill. Actually, in Jewish tradition, that's considered thou shalt not murder. But you can say thou shalt not murder means thou shalt not kill unnecessarily. For example, in wartime, unfortunately, people to defend themselves may have to kill and all that. But anyway, certainly it is completely unnecessary to kill animals. And what you were mentioning before about the various uh, plant substitutes, they say there are some so close in appearance, texture, and taste to the actual meat product that people that have been eating meat for decades can't tell the difference. So that should take Absolutely. away. They, they've done met many taste tests where you can go on YouTube and watch it, and people can't tell the difference between, for example, an impossible burger and a regular burger, and they go, this is the, the one with animals in it. This is the impossible burger. This, they can't make up their mind. Well, if you can't even tell the difference, why, why support something that's so destructive? But people fiercely defend their right to do so. And when, when that happens, I really always talk about addiction uh, because when you're an addict, you're not in charge of your mind uh, and the, the, the substance is in charge. Dr. Schwartz, what's next for you? Okay, well, a few things. Again, I'm promoting this. I'm trying to say, get this book out to as many people as possible. I'm hoping to write a 20th anniversary edition, one of my other books, Judaism and Global Survival, which includes veganism, but also a lot more on that. And also the main thing, think back to that wonderful book uh, we were talking about before, Food is Climate. I think we have to get people to realize if you want a decent world for your children, grandchildren, future generations, there has to be a major shift to plant-based diet. That is the only method. And other things, of course, are important. We've got to get renewable energy, more efficient cars. But the shift to plant-based diet is the only approach that not only reduces greenhouse gas emissions, of course, cows emit methane, as you know, a very potent greenhouse gas, but also because the trees absorb carbon dioxide, and which could be in the atmosphere for hundreds of years, we have to reduce that carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So we have to tell people, if we want a decent world, that we should realize how serious this is. It's the greatest health challenge, greatest environmental challenge, so these are the messages. Again, I commend you very strongly and wish you much continued success. I have to say, we go through the reasons every week, every day, every live video where we do thousands. The reasons are obvious. Health, yeah. animal compassion, climate change, habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, human world hunger. It's Both. so obvious. People who can figure out the nuances of 
things that are very complex, like the Mueller investigation, which I listened to uh, the report, very complex. A lot of it went right over my head. And yet they can't connect the dots with something that's so obvious to me that says willful denial. This is what we're dealing with. What are the religious or spiritual um, teachings that can help us break through that? Obviously, every great spiritual leader has an ability to communicate something that gets people to hear something they don't want to hear. What is the secret that will unlock the clogged ears so that people can hear this very simple message that we are barreling towards extinction ourselves, the human race. There's no guarantee, there's no warranty that says we can exist forever if we destroy our planet and make it completely unlivable, we will also die. If the earth becomes too hot to support life, which Mm -hmm. it's really on target to become, we will also die. We are seeing fires. We are seeing drought. We are seeing floods. We are seeing the first signs of this cataclysm. So Sarah's back. We're going to give her a shot. Sarah, what is your question or thought? Go right for it. Hi. I just wanted to find out if you could hear me, Dr. Schwartz. I have a question for Dr. Schwartz. I hear you. Are you able to hear me? Yes. Okay. Okay. I wanted to let you know that recently my family has been very split because my family is half Jewish, half Christian, and my sister keeps putting Bible.com, like texting me Bible.com verses saying like that God said that, you know, people can kill animals with bow and arrows and just all sorts of stuff about abusing animals and how that since Bible.com said it's okay, you know, that it's in the Bible. It, it's just ridiculous. And I'm trying to get your, get you to tell um, possibly us what's the reason why all these religions keep, is it like an addiction like Jane said? Because it's very confusing to me, and it's also tearing families apart. It's not just my family, I'm sure. So what do we do? I mean, there's only one movie, A Prayer for Compassion. I can't even get my sister to watch that. So what do we do? Okay, I think the bottom line question. is... Thank you, Sarah. And it was worth the struggle to get that question out. Go ahead, Dr. Schwartz. The point is that Jews and everybody else has a choice in their diet. I can't say the Torah says you must be vegan, and nobody can say you must eat meat. By the way, there are cheap rabbis that are vegetarians or vegan. And if a cheap rabbi certainly knows a lot more about Judaism than I do, can be than uh, anybody can be. So the thing is, there's a choice, though, I always argue, shouldn't that choice be made taking into account the highest of religious values that uh, taking care of our health, treating animals with compassion, preserving the environment, serving natural resources, etc. And uh, also, would God want us to have a diet that's bad for our health and mistreats animals? You know, there's something that's said every single day in the synagogue prayers. 
God's compassions over the earth and all of the creatures. And again, it says in Psalms, God's compassions over all his works. We are to imitate God. That is the most important thing. So again, we have that choice. And as Jane says, why do it when there's so many good substitutes and uh, so many negative effects on it? It's really madness and sheer insanity. All right, we're going to take a short break. We're talking to this legendary 87-year-old author, Dr. Richard Schwartz. Uh, His new book is Vegan Revolution, and you can get it on Amazon. We'll take a short break here on Voice America Radio. We're going to stay live on Facebook. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Influencers lead, but on Twitter, they also follow. Check out what the influencers are saying and talk back to us with your great ideas. Follow the Voice America Influencers channel on Twitter at VA Influencers. That's at VA Influencers and join in. We don't follow, we lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, we are talking with the legendary Dr. Richard Schwartz. He has written so many books connecting veganism and Judaism. His latest is Vegan Revolution, correct, sir? Show us that book. You can get it on Amazon. And uh, we're talking about uh, the dovetailing of Judaism and other religions and veganism. Um, Thou shalt not kill, a very basic premise of many um, spiritual philosophies. Two big developments happening right now. One is the uh, expansion of plant-based meats and Jenny Goldfarb, whose family was in the deli business. She has pictures of her uh, family uh, running a deli and she went vegan and she decided to create a vegan pastrami sandwich that is now 
in a huge number of delicate Jewish delicatessens, traditional delicatessens, and it's also going into big box stores. And the New York Times did a whole article starting with uh, Jenny Goldfarb's Unreal Deli, Mrs. Goldfarb's Unreal Deli. And she's a friend of mine. I, I was so thrilled to see her in the New York Times leading off that article. And at the same time, in New York right now, New York City, amongst other places, there is a very controversial religious uh, ritual called Kaporos, where chickens are trucked in and uh, they are deprived of water and then they are swung over uh, someone's head and then they're killed in a very bloody ritual that uh, inspires protests years ap- year after year. And many rabbis have written and said, we don't need to do this. This is unnecessary and we can use coins. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about that issue, if you could, Dr. Schwartz. By the way, just uh, referring to something that you were talking about in the last segment, talking about how hard to get the message out is. We should be realized that, thank God, we have been making progress. By the way, Jewish Reds, <clears throat> the group I am a president emeritus of, is going to be coming out with a very strong vegan statement signed by 150 rabbis. So there has been movements, things are changing, not, not enough, uh, much more has to be done. Also, as you know, there's tremendous progress among the young people. They are realizing, some of them are leaving school on Fridays to demonstrate about climate change, Greta Sunberg, I think, is a vegan, and many. So there is progress. So you know, we should take some encouragement from that. Okay, now, yeah, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, as you point out, there is that ceremony of Kippurus. Speak up, yes. thank you. Speak up a little louder, thank you. Okay, fortunately, it's a relatively small number of Jews that take part in that. It can be done with coins, so the vast majority of Jews do do that. And it was just an article, I think it's coming out, it was sent to me by one of the protesters. I think it's going to be in Jerusalem post tomorrow uh, about the protests that are taking place. And uh, more and more, I think I'm moving away from that. But uh, with many, many people, it's uh, it's a tradition. Parents did it, the grandparents. So uh, it's unfortunate that, uh, again, with the powerful Jewish teachings on compassion for animals, that is being overlooked. And one of the key things is before that ceremony, the chickens are trucked in, often toward the end, they're not giving food, they're not giving water, they were kept in very cramped conditions. And of course, all the chickens that are uh, raised, uh, it's, it's such uh, cruelty, very contrary to Jewish values on compassion for animals, and contrary to every religion teachings on that. So. Uh, there are people struggling against that. Many rabbis have been coming out against it. There's always going to be some that say, well, my rabbi, my rabbi says it's okay, and I've done it for 20 years, I'm going to keep doing it. But we are making progress, not fast enough, but we should be uh, thankful for the progress we are making. Um, so what do you see ahead? Uh, because there is this whole issue of crossing points of no return, which we discuss in our documentary, Countdown to Year Zero, which has won several awards and streaming on Amazon Prime, and also Breaking Boundaries, which is uh, Sir David Attenborough, who has done this incredible documentary that's on Netflix that makes the case that when we cross certain planetary boundaries, 
it kicks in. It's a feedback loop. In other words, it becomes exponentially worse and there's no turning back. The melting of the ice caps, they reflect the cold, reflects the heat away. But when they melt, they become producers of heat. And there are many different examples of that. 70% of our crops, according to that film, are in some way, shape, or form connected to pollination. If we destroy all the insects, we will have a collapse. Um, and um, it's going to create crop failures. Uh, the heat, if the temperatures keep rising, there will be massive crop failures. That's not me saying it. That's a IPC and IPCC reviewer somebody who reviews the reports from the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. All of this is happening around us. Huge portions of California are on fire. New York City, where I grew up, has had floods that have never been seen before, where the subways have become like swimming pools. Uh, what is it going to take Dr. Schwartz, I almost talk to you as if you're a spiritual leader, which I believe you are. Uh, what is it going to take? Well, I wish I could disagree with you that uh, the, the situation is as serious as you say, and it was hard to be optimistic. That's why in the last few weeks or so, having read that book and you interviewed uh, Glenn uh, Merza uh, just yesterday, you said that there is some hope. We've got to get that message out. We are heading toward incredible disaster. You say the temperatures are getting hotter and hotter. This year may be the hottest ever. Every decade since the 70s has been hotter than the previous decade. Uh, last year, 2020, tied 2016 for the hottest year ever. And here's an amazing fact, too. Every single year in this century, it's 21 years, is in the top 22. So we're really heating things up more and more. And this idea that you've made so clear of that positive feedback loops. Now, for example, you mentioned California is burning, and that's a triple threat because that means we're losing the trees. That, that's a sink or absorbs carbon dioxide. As the trees burn, more and more carbon dioxide is getting in the atmosphere. And think of all the energy that's going to be needed to rebuild the homes, the cars that have been destroyed. And this hurricane either devastated. And the, the animals killed. The yep. animals killed, trapped. So our biomass, uh, which is the collective weight of all living beings on the planet, Right now, wild animals account for only 4% of biomass. We have practically wiped out all wildlife. And yet when I go on next door, all I see are people complaining about the seals and the uh, squirrels and the coyotes. No matter how much we've destroyed them, it's like we won't be happy till we kill them all and then we'll have an ecological collapse and we will die. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know what to say anymore, but we keep saying it because every person who goes plant-based will save something like 15,000 animals over the course of their lives and will do so much to reverse climate change, to, to facilitate the reversal of climate change. Uh, we really, um, 
we really are at a moment of truth. And that's where spirituality comes in. So I'm going to give you the final word. I, I love what you just said about Jewish Veg. You, your organization is going to issue a statement from 100 rabbis, you said, to go vegan? So it's a strong statement on veganism endorsed by 150 rabbis and probably a lot more. I have uh, all kinds of email lists of rabbis to contact and get more and more to sign on and just Every day things come up and I haven't gotten to it. So, um, okay, time to find a word. So the bottom line is, as you point out, and uh, I wish, I wish I can say you're being too pessimistic and I disagree, but uh, you are 100% right. The world is heading toward a climate catastrophe beyond anything. And people used to say, well, maybe it'll be for our children or grandchildren, but we're seeing it happening right now much faster than climate experts predicted. You know, it used to be something called a hundred year storm, a thousand years, it would just happen. We always had them, but it happened far less often. And by the way, there are three reasons why the storms are more severe today. Number one, the waters are warmer, it's giving more energy to the storm. So it goes over the water, it can change from uh, uh, category two to category four in hurricanes, for example. The waters are higher, that means that the storm surges are going to be higher and go further. And because the uh, atmosphere is warmer, it can, it can hold more water. So that's why uh, in many areas, no rain, it's drought. In other areas, when the rain does come, it is extremely severe. So, All right. uh, you've made the point. And uh, I would like to also let everybody know about the plant-based treaty. And I'd love you to sign it, Dr. Schwartz. If you go to plantbasedtreaty.org, uh, it's modeled on the fossil fuel treaty. And uh, it's going to be uh, very much a focus of those who are uh, going to the Glasgow Cop uh, Climate Conference coming up in just a, a month or two. So um, would you sign the plant-based treaty and endorse it? Absolutely, 100%. Uh, All right. well, 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 how do you do that today? Because what we're really trying to get our leaders to you know, sign this treaty, and it would be incredible to have the 150 rabbis sign the treaty uh, because that really sends a message that this is an answer. And basically it says, Relinquish, redirect, restore. Relinquish animal agriculture, no new slaughterhouses, no new factory farms. Uh, redirect government subsidies to transitioning to plant-based and uh, other alternatives to uh, the animal agriculture industry and then restore the forests that will be freed up. So um, this is a powerful message, the plant-based treaty. So I hope that you do that. Now, doctor, show us again your book. Uh, I hope everybody gets this. It is The Vegan Revolution. What's the subheader? Okay, the subtitle, I don't know if you can see it, is a couple of like, minor details, like saving our world. I mean, that's the bottom line. Revitalizing Judaism, because Judaism had the teachings, but unfortunately, uh, a lot of emphasis on the ritual, that's important, but that's to remind us to be involved. I mean, uh, it's great to have wonderful teachings, but if you don't apply them, 
uh, Judaism has these powerful teachings and compassion for animals, and yet uh, people just don't realize that they're violating them every single day on these animal-based diets. So, Thank you. It's an incredible ending. Um, I am so honored to have spoken with you. And uh, I love that phrase, that final phrase that Laura called in and said, um, our job is not to say it one more time. Well, yeah. It's not our obligation basically to finish the task to do everything that's like impossible, but neither are we free to desist from doing all we can. So, uh, you know, you have to do everything possible knowing that uh, it's not going to be enough, but hopefully others will join in and, uh, and uh, have a very powerful impact altogether. Thank you, Dr. Schwartz. Thank you, Voice America Radio. Andrew, uh, appreciate all you do. And uh, see you next time on Voice America Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. 